Now, the late Christian philosopher Dallas Willard said, Beliefs are the rails on which our lives run. Right? Our beliefs are like a rail track. Uh, it's where our, our, if you imagine our beliefs are on the, um, are the rail track, our life is sort of a train. Uh, it's where they run, isn't it? What he meant is that what we believe shapes how we live. Right? And it is especially shaped by what we believe about the future. Uh, I want you to think about the terrible images we saw last year from Afghanistan. Do you remember those images? Chaos at Kabul airport. Many people crammed into a jet. Bodies falling out of the sky. What was that about? Well, the Taliban were back in charge, weren't they? And them being back in charge, they darkened everyone's future. Everyone wanted to get out, to live a better future abroad. And that is because our beliefs about the future shapes how we live. And the good news of the Bible is that God has given all followers of Jesus a great eternal future. Far greater than anything we can think or imagine. And so my task this evening is I just want to encourage you uh, to become obsessed with living for this glorious future in Christ. I want this future in Christ to shape your thoughts every day. I want it to shape your affections. Uh, that's what I want you to do. Uh, that's what I want to encourage you to do. And to help us do this, I want us to look at that passage, Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 to 4. This, evening, this morning we looked at verse 1 to, 4, to 2, didn't we? And we learned that all true followers of Christ are meant what? Are meant to live for Christ. Let me read that, verse 1 to 2. If then you have been raised with Christ. And we said the if should be read like because. Because then you are, you are, because you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above. Where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above. Not on things that are on earth. We said this morning that Paul is saying, all true followers of Christ have risen with Christ. We share life with Christ. And because that is true, we must now live for Christ every day. He is saying, concentrate your energy. That's what we said, that phrase, set your mind. Literally, means have this inner disposition. Concentrate your energy on living your new life in Christ. Let this occupy your thinking every day. Keep giving your heart and mind to this, to live for Christ. Because you share life with Christ. But how do we do this in practice? How do we actually live for Christ in practice? How do we keep growing in living for Christ? What is the key? Well, Paul's answer is in verse 3 to verse 4. And we can summarize his answer simply this. Focus on your glorious future in Christ. That's how you live. That's how you grow in Christ. Don't focus on what's happening to you now. Don't focus on this world. If you want to grow in Christ, you want to be joyful, you want to look to Him, you want to become passionate about your life in Christ, focus on your glorious future in Christ. Look at verse 3 to 4. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. And so the key truth therefore in verse 3 to 4 is simply this. Living for Christ means living 
for our future glory in Christ. That's what Paul is teaching us in those, three, those verses. Verse 3 to 4. Living for Christ means living for our future glory in Christ. We live for Christ by focusing our thinking, our desires on the wonderful, glorious future that we share when the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Christ is coming again. Throughout the Bible, God tells us that our Lord Jesus is coming again. And this second appearance of Christ will not be like the first time that Christ came. When Christ first entered this world, his power and glory was hidden from the world. Christ is 100% God. He is God the Son. He has all the attributes of God. He is eternal, independent, unchanging, self-existent, self-sufficient, all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing. Christ is infinitely perfect, infinitely holy, infinitely wise, infinitely good, infinitely just. Our Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, is rich in glory beyond our human description, beyond any description. No one compares to him. In fact, there's a song by that. You're rich beyond description, right? And yet the Bible says this Christ who is rich in glory beyond description, this Christ who is fully God, put on our human flesh. Isaiah says Christ had no form or majesty that we should look at him. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Philippi says, Christ made himself nothing by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. Imagine with me for a minute. Here's, another, here's a thought experiment, the first of two thought experiments today. Imagine our wonderful new PM, Liz Truss, one day decides to come to Bexley. While she's here, she notices a few beggars on the Broadway. They are there. She notices them. She says, oh, this is strange. And all of a sudden, it troubles her, doesn't it? When she sees them, beggars, what's happening in this country that I'm in charge of? So when she gets back to number 10 Downing Street, she can't get these beggars out of her mind. She's having sleepless nights. I know, it's a thought experiment. <laughs> right? I, I did say imagine, Right? She's thinking to herself, what's going on? So Liz says to herself, I must try and live life as a beggar to see what it's really like. So against all security advice, she moves out of number 10, doesn't she? And she comes to our Broadway just down there, right? Instead of wearing a Louis Vuitton and all that, she's now wearing smelly clothes, right? She's unrecognizable. She's living as a beggar. And when she's angry... She cannot call her chefs. When she's unwell, she cannot go to King George the Fifth Hospital. When beaten, she can't call her bodyguards. She just suffers like the homeless people on the Broadway. And all the while, she's still PM. Right? She has willingly taken on this poverty and all its limitations. Now, so Terry is laughing because that can, that can never happen, isn't it? It's a, a stuff of fantasy, uh, to quote Klaus Schwab. It's stuff of fantasy, right? But Christ did something infinitely more amazing than that. He who is God put on the rags of our human flesh forever. 
God in Christ willingly covered his eternal glory with our human skin. And willingly lived a life we could not live. He did it without stopping being God. And friends, that was not the end of Christ's humiliation. Because Paul goes on to say in, in, in Philippians that Christ humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, a shameful cross. The Romans wouldn't put anyone on the cross, one of their own. Christ was humiliated to the extent of dying on a cross. It is because Christ had hidden his glory, that's why the prophet Isaiah prophesying in the future says, Christ was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows. When the world turned on Christ, they treated him as less than human. Isaiah, again, who saw the suffering of Christ 800 days earlier, said this, says our Lord Jesus was so disfigured in his suffering that he was beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. He was humiliated beyond human. Now, this same Christ veiled in his glory, in his incarnation, his life, his death, and his resurrection. The Bible is saying here that Christ will appear in full glory. The world will see him. And Paul says here that all who share life with Christ will appear with Christ in his glory. We will be glorified with our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the point of verse 3 to 4. So Colossians 3 there, verse 3 to 4 says this, For you have died, and your life is hidden, veiled at the moment, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Paul is saying this to the Colossians, You are not of this world anymore. Yes, you are breathing the same air everyone breathes. But this is not your life. The life that you had before you became Christians died with Christ on the cross. For you have died, he says. You are no longer citizens of this world. You belong to Christ now, he says. There was a time when you lived for the world. You pursued its agenda. But now, even though you are still physically in the world... You are not of this world. You are dead to it. You have been severed from the tyranny of the evil powers, the elemental powers who control it, he says. Your life is now wrapped up, hidden in Christ. In other words, Christ is now your identity. You are not just citizens of the kingdom of Christ. Christ actually goes further. Christ himself is your very life. Do you see that? For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, Christ himself is your very life. What does he mean by that? He is the origin of your new life in him. And you are now one with him, Paul says. Paul is saying Christ is not just living you. And you do not just live in Christ. All these things are great. We find them in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 1. They are great, but there is more, Paul is saying here. Christ himself is now your very eternal life, he says. 
And this Christ whom you share life with is in union with God because Christ is God the Son. So you share life with God in all of his power, in all of his glory. But the point here is this. Yes, the world cannot see that because you are hidden. You also cannot see it. Yes, you know you are Christians, says Paul. No one can be a Christian without knowing it. But we still see in the mirror darkly. And we still only know in part. You cannot see the full beauty of who you are in Christ. There is a glorious not yet to your now, he said. You are like the stars in the sky at daytime. They are always there, don't they? The stars are always there even during the daytime. But their glory during the day is hidden, isn't it? You can't see the stars during the day. But when darkness comes, their splendor shines to everyone. That's the life of a Christian. A time is coming now. We are, a time is coming when you and all the true children of God will shine in glory. Your glory will be plain to you and all, all of creation, poor is and so he says, do not live for this world and its agenda, says Paul. There is no glory here. Don't live for things which are under the coming wrath and judgment of God. The world is under a curse. The world is under judgment. Don't live for things on earth, Paul is saying. No, set your heart, he says, on this amazing future glory that is coming. Be fixated. On your eternal glory. Let this deeper and true reality of who you truly are in Christ shape your life and thinking. He's saying if you want to grow in Christ, you must take your eyes off living for the glory, the fading glory of this world. And start thinking and desiring your future glory that is yours in Christ. Set your minds, he says in verse 2, on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, he says, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. But this hidden life will be seen. When Christ, who is your life, appears now, then you also appear with him in glory. Now, Paul here does not expand on what our future glory in Christ will look like for us. When Christ appears. The Bible talks about that elsewhere, doesn't it? For example, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says this. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. That is Christ. Because we shall see Christ as he is. Paul talks about it in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 to 21. He says our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to him. The point of this verse is very simple. Your, your, your body will, will be transformed when you see Christ. Your new body will have a new holy character like Christ. And this perishable body will put on immortality, as he tells the church at Corinth. A new body, 
custom made out of heaven, a new way of thinking like Christ, you think like Christ, you feel like Christ, you love like Christ, you talk like Christ, and truly enjoy life as Christ. Not Christ in his divine nature, but Christ in his glorified, perfect humanity. All true followers will be like the last Adam in his glory. That young person fighting temptation at our college or university or workplace will one day, if she knows Christ, be like Christ. Temptation will end. That disgruntled businessman will be like Christ. That guy who can't control his mouth when driving will be like Christ. He'll be free from sin forever. The disgruntled wife who is envious currently of what her friends have will one day be like Christ. That person crippled by fear and anxiety will be like Christ. If these people are all true followers of Christ, their futures in Christ are glorious. A day is coming when their struggles against sin will be removed. The tension within them currently between the identity God has given them in Christ as his children and how they now live will be broken once and forever. That tension. Because here in there now, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, in this tent we live in, we groan, don't we? We groan. But the time is coming when we shall not groan, beloved. One day, that tension will be removed. We all hate funerals, don't we? Except the media, of course. But ordinary human beings hate funerals. It's sad to see what's happening as we look at the country with the royal family and everything. And 10 days now of just death on TV. That's depressing. We hate that. I hate that. I'm not, I'm just, I just flick on the news and turn it off. We hate to think about that. Why? Because death confronts us with separation, severance. But there is a funeral we should look forward to and celebrate even now. One day our sin will die forever. If you're a true follower of Christ, you will experience the end of sin as you put on the glorious body of Christ. Can you imagine a life without temptation? And that is only the start. Because when Christ transforms you, he will usher you into the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness dwells. You will live with him forever. And we have this wonderful vision of this in Revelation 21, the last book of the Bible, the second penultimate chapter in the Bible. Revelation 21, verse 1 to 5. It's always worth reading it. It says, John says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I believe that he's talking about the church. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. 
Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne, that is Christ, said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. You know, we live in a world full of sin. But a time is coming when we live in a world with no sin, no pain, no death, no energy problems. All the former things will pass away. Christ is coming to make all things new. And of course the bottom line is that the Bible doesn't tell us everything that we will enjoy when Christ appears. We know that because 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 says this, doesn't it? No eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined. It's beyond imagination. What God has prepared for those who love him. That's us, beloved. His children in Christ. We have a glorious future with Christ beyond our imagining. But we know enough, don't we? God has revealed enough in the Bible about that this future, what this future is like, so that we can be energized now to live for Christ by focusing on that future. And so Paul says there, doesn't he? Verse 2 to verse 4, he says, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Paul is saying to us, we grow in Christ by focusing on our glorious future in Christ. Living for Christ means living with our future glory in Christ in mind. Unless you are focusing on your future glory in Christ, you will not grow in Christ, he's really saying. That's the key. So what do we do with this truth? We have learned this evening that living for Christ means living for our future glory in Christ. Just three things I want to leave you with. I want to encourage you to focus on. How do we respond to this truth? First of all, let us be thankful to Christ for sharing his life with us. Thankfulness is always going to be the first start, isn't it? Let us thank God for that. Let's thank Christ that he shares his his life with us. Christ is our life, verse 4. And he's not only shared his life with us, he has given us here a cast iron guarantee of a wonderful future when he appears. Beloved, look at verse 4 again and don't miss the key word that should get you excited. When Christ, first of all, he is coming. There are two key words. I said one. When should get you excited. Because this is certain. Our Lord Jesus is coming again in glory. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will do it. Don't miss that word, will. Will appear with him in glory. It is certain. You will appear with him in glory. Thank Christ for that. Thank Christ for his love and commitment to you. Our Lord Jesus is so self-giving and so loving to us. He has willingly shared his glory and guaranteed it to us. Us, rotten sinners. Us, 
who don't deserve any of this. You don't deserve sharing life with God. You know, as well as I do, that God is your warmest thought when it comes to God. God is your warmest thought. You only bring sin to the Lord's table. You're a sinner through and through. You bring nothing. You have these things because of Christ's unfailing love for you. You have glory ahead because of who Christ is and his heart towards you, a sinner. You don't have to worry that you lose your salvation. We dealt with that this morning. Because you share life with Christ. That's Christ. You don't have to worry about that. It does not depend on you. He says here, you will appear with him in glory. Why? Because it depends on your union with Christ. He guarantees your glory. Even when you are doubting the promises of Christ for you, Christ always remains faithful to you. That's our Jesus. He's so committed, so loving, so gentle, so compassionate to us. You know, Christ is the answer to all your doubts. He is the one who gives you all your courage. Christ is your hope, beloved. And he has given himself to you as your keeper. The Lord is my keeper. Psalm 121. Christ supplies all your needs, doesn't he? My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. Christ fulfills all your desires. He is your refuge from the storm of life. He is your cloud by night, isn't it? And fire by day. Is your son of righteousness riding on the wings. Christ is your savior, your brother, your prophet, your priest, your king, your loving and never failing friend. He is your joy without end. It is a love and commitment of Christ that keeps you going every day. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Thank Christ for being your life. Secondly, if you are living for Christ and it is costing you a great deal, let this future revelation of our glory in Christ comfort you this evening. Let this truth comfort you. Let it be your comfort. Be comforted that because you have eternal glory ahead of you, There is no need, beloved, to question God when or why he allows you to go through suffering. God knows that you need today. He knows that. He knows what you need today to prepare you for your future glory. God is committed to your eternal glory. And so whatever you're experiencing is about that. It's about preparing you for that. So don't question him, beloved. The Lord knows it is painful what you're experiencing perhaps at the moment. He knows some of the things you're going through are very difficult. He knows in your humanity you cannot immediately see what God is up to. He knows that. Christ knows that. Remember, our Lord Jesus is fully God and fully man. 
He understands finitude because he wears it. And he walked on earth here in his humanity. He engaged with sinners. He understands. We don't have a high priest who does not sympathize with us. He understands. So don't despair, beloved. Say with Paul, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. That must be your confession every day. The glory of a future glory is so ginormous that it will overwhelm all the moments of pain you have ever experienced and suffered along the way in trusting Christ. You know, Paul says elsewhere, for this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us what? An eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17. A time is coming, beloved, when sin, suffering, and death will end. You will live a radically new life, sharing in Christ's likeness and his glory. You no longer need to carry the sadness and struggles of living in a world ravaged by sin and Satan. You live gloriously with the Savior you love. Focus on that. Focus on the fact that you reign gloriously one day with our triumphant Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Whatever situation you're facing, portion or whatever, let this great future in Christ comfort you today. So be thankful, be comforted, and of course, finally, let this truth lead you to repentance. Repentance. I know you've heard about repentance this morning, but let me just apply this truth to you here. You see, Christ has given you his very self. He has made you a partaker in his eternal glory. And yet, as you sit here this evening, if you're honest, you know that even though you have such a glorious future, you don't think about it often, and you do not always live with this future in mind. Beloved, we find it too easy just to give in to temptation for living today. And as I said this morning, sadly, we live, our lives are no different to non-believers. Many of us. Our priorities in earthly things. The only difference when you look at the Christians of today, many of us, is that, as I said this morning, is that we have God on our side. We have recruited God to achieve the British dream, whatever that is. We are living for the next job, aren't we? The great achievement of our children. The big holidays. We are looking to relationships in life to ought our end in life. We are looking to things God has given us to give us a reason to even get up in the morning. But these things, beloved, have no life. They cannot give us true glory. No matter what we do in life, no matter who we marry, no matter what we own, no matter how many experiences we have, no matter how great the church looks, no matter what our kids achieve, Oxford, Cambridge, whatever, National B competition, do we have that in this country? I think that's America. Whatever. No matter how many people love us, 
No matter how big our social media presence becomes, none of these things compare to our guaranteed glorious future in Christ. You know that. And yet, tragically, many of us are looking to these things. And why is that then? Why is that? Why is there this gap between what we know and what we do? Well, you know the answer, don't you? We are sinners still. Saved sinners. And life, not just sinners, and life is hard, isn't it? It is hard to believe you share in the glory of Christ when you are struggling to find work. It is hard. It is hard to believe that you are enveloped by the glory of Christ when your health is bad or the health of your loved one. And, or your own health is bad and you are stuck on the hospital bed with no one to talk to. It is hard to believe you share in the glory of Christ when you lose loved ones who are so close to you. Or when your family relationships are strained. Or when you get little support from people around you. Or when you're praying for something that you know God approves of and it's not happening. And of course, it is hard to believe this truth when the devil is constantly tempting you with things you can see. When he's tempting you with things you can see, it's hard to hold on to the hidden future glory. It is easier to swap a, a, a glorious future for dead life of this world. It is easier to take the foolish roots of chasing dead things to let the flesh dominate us. And this is why our lives are taken up, isn't it? We're chasing the glory of this world. It is easier for a person, a professing Christian, to be alive in the world, to live for its agenda, to try and be relevant in it. To be counted among the world. To be seen as someone special in the world. It appeals to me and I'm sure it appeals to you. We want to be noted. Who doesn't want to be noted? We want to be seen as someone special in this world. We want the glory that others can see. Right? Yes, God has given us this glory in Christ. But our flesh is saying to us, Surely no one knows about that. It's not enough. You need the glory that your next door neighbor is going to notice. In short, we live for this life because we lack deep belief in our eternal glorious future with Christ. The troubles of life makes us doubt our future in Christ. And of course, the problem is that living like that, living for today, makes us a slave of the elemental dark forces that Paul has been warning against. Living for this world robs us of true peace as well. You see, the problem in your life is not the external circumstances. It's not. No. The Bible teaches the fundamental problem you're facing is your heart. It's not what people have done to you. It's your heart. It's not what the government is doing to you. It's your heart. It's not your difficulties. It's your heart. It is sin in you. So you need first to give your heart to the Lord. And so that even when you have nothing, you can be contented. So instead of looking to things of this world to be your glory, this evening come humbly before God and repent of looking to these things. Today, take a moment. Examine yourself. 
Honestly, ask yourself this. Am I asking this relationship or that person or this job or this achievement or this possession to be my glory in life? Ask yourself now. Am I in danger at the moment of replacing my hope in my future glory in Christ with this thing? Ask God to show you where you need to repent. All of us need to do this honestly because true Christians have a guaranteed glorious future with Christ that changes how we live today. So my final thought experiment, right? As we come to an end. Imagine someone promises you the perfect place to live. Perfect place to live. In a more beautiful place than you have ever seen or imagined. I don't mean Mauritius or Seychelles. Something mind-boggling. And then they tell you, every need you have will be met in that place. You will be surrounded by loving relationships that will last forever. Think Star Trek, the Nexus, something like that, right? And then after, the person says to you, to have this... You need to surrender now what you have. You should also be aware that the journey will be long and that there will be sacrifices on the way. You will suffer on the way to get to this. But at the end, you will have all the glories that I've just described. And the key thing is this. I have made sure that you will not give up on the way. So it will be hard, but I've guaranteed you'll get there. I will ensure that no matter what you suffer, you never give up. I will make sure when you are weak and discouraged, you will be encouraged and strengthened. What would you do? Would you not say, sign me up? <laughs> That's excellent. Guaranteed? Yes, yeah, going to be painful. I'm going to get there somehow. And it's everything I've ever wanted. Sign me up. I want this life unprecedented beauty, love, and glory that is 100% guaranteed, I want in. Would you not say, yes, I'll take this journey? Would you not be willing to endure pain and sacrifices? Wouldn't you, in moments of suffering even, press on, given what you've been promised? Wouldn't you, in moments of discouragement, when you are about to lose your mind, picture those promises again and remember the glory, and you just press on? Would anything stop you pressing on? No. You'd carry on. Well, as poor David Tripp would say, welcome to the Christian life. This is the Christian life. Paul is saying here in this passage, you have guaranteed glory in Christ beyond comparison. Yes, living for the Christ costs us this world, it does. Yes, it involves suffering. But it is worth it. And what's amazing about it is that you will endure. Christ has guaranteed our future glory within. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And because this is guaranteed glory waiting for us, then well, let us resolve now to live for Christ by focusing on this, our future eternal glory. Amen.